I'm Pastor Troy. We're here on the dock as we get into our favorite part of this. We're doing a series, Pastor Troy's Mentors, and we're in the roundtable discussion era. So glad you've joined us here, and we are looking forward to getting into this today. So let's let's move on with this and tell you that on the dock is about conversations to propel your faith out of the shallows into the deep. And we're with some guys here that can get you out of the shallows, get you equipped to get out into the deep. We were just calculating the studio here that around this table, ministry experience is now 160 years. When I said 100, we were way short. <laughs> Uh, we Fred looks much younger than than he must be. Gosh, you've been around a while. I mean, just Fred's sixty years. He has me and Roger doubled, mm-hmm. and I, I thought we're both getting gray. So that's I would just tell you what. So that's incredible. One hundred sixty years here. We're gonna just gonna get at it and tell you some cool things. Check us out. Uh, YouTube is the best way to find us. Uh, that's our number one platform. Check that out, and you can also find us on podcasts at iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Facebook's a great way to watch us. Roku. You go to Roku. You got to download the Sermonette app. Find on the Doc with Pastor Troy, but it looks great on Roku TV. Rumble's another good way. Good new partner out there. They won't cut you off. And SermonNet. Then our social media partners. Check us out. Uh, Don is always monitoring this. Don is our executive producer. She can you can chat with her on Facebook, Twitter, Telegram, and Instagram. Check it out. And then make sure you hit subscribe, like, share, comment, notify. If you do that, the algorithms kind of get the word out there. People begin to see us. And please share this. Let people know about on the dock. There's some great stuff happening here. And we're going to get here. I got. Uh, oh, make sure you become a partner with my Patreon. Patreons are partners site on the docks there you can become a partner or a sponsor there we'll be telling you more and more about promotions there we've got our fancy on the dock cup here today and i've got my crown brew glass here full of crown brew crown brew total uh what is it beth is turtle today isn't it? oh yeah creamy rich i'm gonna have, to have some real food here in a second i'm gonna take these guys for a good lunch today hey by the way you can find us at on the dock.org all the information you can link to all our partners and sites through there and then you can email us anytime you need help at info at on the dock.org all right i'm in studio again we've got our good friends here we're a round table on leadership that's what we're doing here you got a lot 160 years of leadership here i'm here with cross me is fred bishop reverend fred bishop pastor shane bishop and roger Lipe as we wrap up this series on pastor troy's mentors thank you guys for sticking it out and starving for me. Food is a coming. We're going to do that next. We're going to go get some good local grub and let you experience. Marion's exploding with all kinds of new stuff. No doubt. We're getting more steakhouses and stuff like that. You can shake a stick at. Our mayor's doing a good job in Marion. Mayor Absher, we're going to have him on, on the dock. He's going to come good. join us. Yeah, he's going to, him and Cody, Cody Moke, they, they're the city manager. We're going to come talk about how we can be working with them soon. Uh, just a couple things, a reminder. So we're getting ready to talk. And what we're going to do today here is uh, I really want to get the mentors in the studio, my, my spiritual father in the studio, and just let us collectively just kind of share the wealth of these guys' experience. And today we're going to look at um, incredible here. We're going to look at how these amazing leaders, 160 years, collective ministry leadership ship experience at this table, locally, nationally, internationally. And I want to take this experience. I want to go back and I want to dig into some of the things that were said in our previous episodes. I want to take what we touched on. We're going to go a little deeper. We're going to get deeper behind some of these key Christian principles, deeper than the basics. And we're going to take advantage of you guys here and let you mentor some of our on the dock listeners. You're going to get a treat here right now. You're going to get some, you're going to get, this is like after we came back from a, a, a being out on the streets mm-hmm. and you get all the assistant leaders with their squad leader and you tell everybody what went wrong or we need some advice. So we've got, these are all squad leaders and top level guys here. <laughs> we're going to help you work through the problems, but we're not going to help you do it so you can sit where you are. We want you to get off the dock and get out there and be about the things of God. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I want to do this here. So we're going to start here with key, we're going to start with this open discussion here. Let's do that first. And so I want to start with the first question. Here it is. 
Uh, Shane, you mentioned, I think here back in episode 10, uh, that was on a basic training. You mentioned simplicity is the key. When you talk about simplicity, I, I do know, I, I've watched you uh, just lead Christ Church. What an amazing church. But I have, I tell people, I, I don't think it's complex. I think you've got simple principles. I haven't heard them change since you were an assistant pastor at Heron. I've not really heard, and I'm not saying you haven't developed or grown. I'm just saying the same mantra, the same discipline um, I've seen you do day in and day out at any size. It seems one size, I hate to say it, one size fits all. I know it's a lot more work now. You're preaching four times on a Sunday. So so it, I know it requires more work at a higher level, but you talk about simplicity. How do you keep things simple? Why do you think that's the key uh, of making everything functionally simple? Well, I think there's two layers to it, or two dimensions, if you will. Let, let's uh, use baseball as an analogy. No matter what level of baseball you play, you're going to have to hit, you're going to have to run, you're going to have to throw, you're going to have to field, and it'd be helpful if you could hit for power. Those are very important things. Five and tools. if you've got those, you got the five tools. Five tools. So whether you are in, whether you're seven years old or playing at the major league level, you're still going to do those things. However, as you progress in ball, it is imperative that all of those things continue to improve. So there's two limitations to that. One is your physical talent, what you're capable of. And the second is how hard do you want to work at it? And that sort of dovetails with how good of instruction mm -hmm. are you getting? And so for me, the simplicity is the game really never changes. You're still hitting and fielding and running and doing all those things. What changes is the commitment required to the game, the growth required to play the game. And so pastors essentially do a lot of the same things, whether you pastor a church of 100 or a church of 10,000. They, they preach, they administrate. I mean, if you they teach. Pastors essentially do the same thing. And yet, as you move to new levels, more is required. So keeping it simple is just always remembering the fundamentals of the game. Always remember at the end of the day, God called you and you've got to do the basic things right. And where I see people getting into trouble and where I see pastors, even pastors have had a lot of success, whatever that means, kind of get off the bead is when they stop paying attention to the fundamentals, to yeah. the simple things. And again, we live in a culture, there's no money in simplification. People want to make things complicated so they can be an expert. Because if you're an expert, you can write books and you can go do conferences. A and guru, all you that. get to be a guru. Yeah, yeah, and the whole idea is if you were just as smart as me, then you could be as, as successful as I am. A couple of years ago, I was contacted about uh, speaking at an event and I said, why do you want me? They said, we would like an expert in church growth. I said, well, you should have got me 10 years ago. Because I knew a heck of a lot more then than I know now. Right. And the reality is uh, just keeping things simple, staying humble, keeping your eye on the game. And as I said in the previous episode, to grow a church, all you have to do is make Christians, turn them into disciples, send them out to make new Christians. That will grow a church 100% of the time. It's the biblical model for growing a church. Uh, it's simple. And for me, keeping things at that fundamental level is what is the most important thing. I th I, one of the things that, that I'm struggling with, and Beth and I have talked a lot about this in the last couple of years, Mother Beth's in the studio right now, is as 
the, the work I do is, is just, I pastor a church, but I really pastor a church to, to get out there and cut on the frontier, to, to take them behind. And we're kind of like a, I always tell our churches like a special forces team. We're the kind of team when you're going to start a fight, you drop us behind enemy lines and we establish some ground. And then from there, we call in the bigger team, the bigger hitters, and they begin to build on that and do things. It's kind of funny. I got some of my pastors that we've developed in Thailand. They've, they're now being poached. You know what I'm saying? Mm. You know, they're, they're, people are going after them because they didn't know they could be taught this way. So now they're trying to poach mm. some of my pastors. I'm okay with that. They can build the kingdom however they want to there. That's that's my goal. But one of the challenges for me is we've got medical ministry in Liberia, doing surgical work. We're doing churches in Liberia, stuff in Thailand. And then I'm pastoring. And I, I, it's really tough. You know, you say hitting, you want to keep those fundamentals, but you can get a hitch in your swing. You can get a little Absolutely. something in your stride. And you you got to find a hitting coach and mentors that are ready for the next level mm. because, you know, while the fundamentals are the same, you may need a coach that understands the speed and pace of this game. I, one of the things we're struggling with is finding somebody to, to mentor us that's above what we're doing such unique stuff that it's hard to find somebody to kind of mentor me in all the aspects. Because they'll say, well, you know, if I get a pastor, they're just pastor. And I say, well, pastor is the least of my problems. You know, I, you know, what, what I want to do is put people in a uh, C-130 and drop them into enemy territory. <laughs> and then the problem is a lot of people will come to church here because they love our stories. But a lot of people say it's a lot of work to go here. We have to raise a lot of money. We drop people behind enemy territory. You get shot at, you know. They come back and go, we're going to go to church where it's a little easier to go to, you know, because they, they're a lot more funner. But we'll hang. They come to all our events to raise money. Mm. So, it, it, I mean, I'm trying to figure out at my, even at my stage, how do I find mentors and coaches to help me at this stage? Any, any clues? I, I mean, I'm throwing that out there. I just need the answer. You know, you always, the basics are there. I can use these basics, but sometimes you just need somebody to look to to go, man, that guy, that, I, I like how he swings. Well, I'm in the middle of that process now because I've been almost 27 years with one ministry. And now these guys have asked me to come over and, and work with them in a different sort of ministry. And so in the transition, my whole thing is I, I look at this from that uh, standing on the ground volunteers perspective and complexity kills for those folks. The, the more complex the thing is, they just go, oh, no, I need to do something else. And they back away. Whereas if you keep it simple, they can go, okay, that's all I need to do is, yeah, it's a simple thing. So with, with even with our staff, I had to back way up and assess a lot and look at it. And I said, guys, let's just look at it from 30,000 feet. What does this look like from the big picture? Let's make that really simple. And later on, we'll get down on the weeds with all the details. But right now, let's look at this. And they go, oh, yeah, I can see that. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's just changing perspective just a little bit to be able to see things from another angle that lets the simplicity be seen, that then you can deal with the more complex issues later. But if we can back up a little bit and get perspective on this thing, it's kind of like Moses looking at the whole thing of the Exodus, it seemed like all along the path, he was able to have perspective of what the Lord was doing. And he never really went astray. He he stayed on the path the whole time. Even though it seemed to be wandering, he still had Kadesh Barnea in mind. We're going back there again someday and to get back to there. So for me, that's part of the simplicity is for that volunteer, regular dude in the church, can this be a simple thing? We go, oh, I know what this is about. Yep. And then uh, those of us who are, inside the machine of the thing have to deal with more uh, of the details. Troy, one word that comes to me is is just humility. Absolutely. I I think a lot of times the more success we have had, uh, it it can make us very resistant to humility. Mm -hmm. We are used to being the expert, not the learner. 
And one thing I have uh, done over the years is I've always looked at leaders who were more effective than I was in ways that I valued, you know, and, and I would look at those leaders and, and I would, I would call them. I would go to their conferences, you know, I would ask if I could get 30 minutes with them, Mm -hmm. but I I wanted to learn from those leaders. When I looked at great churches that I I thought our church is going to be different than this, but I see the qualities in this church that I would like to, to emulate in some ways, just learning from those. But I think it takes humility. The, the, most difficult thing for me since the world has changed. And let's be honest, the world was changing. COVID probably was the last nail in that coffin. There's a different world. One of the things I'm having to do now is learn from people who don't have nearly as many statistics on the back of their baseball card as I do. That's interesting. I'm having to learn from people. I'm an alien in this new world. Uh, I'm having to learn from younger people who are indigenous to this new world. And I'm doing a lot of reverse mentoring right now. I'm sharing with them what I know, but I'm having to humble myself to learn what they know. That's good. Working with new staff, with young staff, they don't think the same as we used to think. Mm -hmm. Uh, They simply don't. And there's so many things that I need to learn if I am going to stay effective. So that whole element of humility saying, you know, I remember a scene on Titanic, which I thought in so many ways was the most disappointing movie I'd ever seen. But there was a scene that basically said the guy had been a a captain of a ship for 30 years, but because technology had changed so much, all of a sudden everything he knew was wrong. Right. And I feel that way a lot. If I'm trying to leverage success I had in a different world, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get decreasing results. But if I want to stay effective, I'm going to have to humble myself and learn, not just from people who are more successful than I am, right. but from people who understand the culture better than I'm me. I'm finding in the days ahead that, you know, I, you're looking for somebody to kind of help you because it, it, people, I, I wrestle sometimes, you know, go full bore with hands of hope and do the works around the world. But then I can't separate that from the church. My thing is the church should be doing that work and empowered to do that work. And so as I look at the days ahead, I'm, I'm beginning to look at people. I'm actually going back retro because I feel like the world we're in right now feels a little bit like the Jesus revolution days. And I've been studying Brian Laurie's book. I gave you Fred, the Jesus revolution. And I, I plan on spending some significant time with him. I was supposed to do a sabbatical and spend time out there. Then COVID hit. So it blocked that. And so I'm trying to reset that for next year. He's going to come out in the movie on the Jesus revolution really look at going back at what they faced then and the challenges and how they did it at grassroots level and it's almost like 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 one of the things that we're going to be doing at community next year is we're going to be doing a we're going to take our whole church on community we used to go camping go to Beulah and Elder we're actually going to rent a camp and take the whole church and go for four days the whole church and go old school and get people away from technology and get them out and, and have a shakedown cruise. And people are excited about it. So I'm learning I may have to go back and try some things our forefathers did and younger people people did and then listen to the younger people about how to bring some fresh life into that. And so there's going to be a lot of challenges ahead as we do the simple stuff, but maybe do it in uh, maybe learn from our, our previous way also forge new territory. So I'm learning, I think it's a good word, maybe to humble ourselves and learn from maybe people that don't aren't above us as much as they are people that are doing unique creative ministry below us that may add to the future of us. I well, think we have to hold fast to our core values. Absolutely. Those are not negotiable. Right. Our methodology, yes. that has to be completely negotiable. And you may have to look around, and it may be secular things you look to to get there too, but you don't have to give up your core values. Let me add to this discussion. Uh, Fred, this for you. Pay your dues. 
Faithful, available, teachable. For you, pay your dues is everything. I, I've seen that over the years. You got to go through the process. You know, what does it mean to you? How do you think that factors in to everything you do in life? Everything I want, I find out who has it, who's the best I can get. If I'm going to go to China, I'm going to go Dr. Lester Summerall. What am I going to do? I'm going to carry their bags. I'm going to do whatever he needs done, but I'm going to watch him. and I'm going to learn from him. Pay your dues means the direction you're going. If you want to go nowhere, you don't need to pay anything. But the higher you want to go, the farther you want to go out, the more dues you're going to have to pay. Yeah, I read, I read, I read your stuff, and I, I know that from you that that you literally went with him and 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 basically carried his bags on the first missions. I mean, the the, the road to Ground Zero was was basically menial labor. That's good. Was basically you following in somebody else's footsteps in their shadow, and Jerry Jenkins writes their story. But but there is the road to Ground Zero for Fred. It's the beginning of a story. And I, I, I think we way underestimate the need to be faithful, to go experience vision before you have your own. I see first you go with them. Then get to work. Can you walk, not following them, but walk, can you walk beside them? And then there comes a day when that you actually begin to hear something a little different than what they hear. And you start out on your own. You said in our opening episode, and I'll come back to Roger, you said in our opening episode, uh, I can't go farther than my devotional life can maintain. Mm-hmm. But you can't also can't go farther than the vision can maintain. That's right. So you have to spend some time with people that have greater vision than you, and then you have to have the kind of life of your own that when you stretch out and you, you leave the dock and you go out into the water, you, you, number one, your, your character and your courage and your relationship with God can maintain it. But it, it doesn't come from nothing. It comes from a decision that you make. It comes from a faithfulness that you do. And then, then you have to... You don't just do your devotion. You didn't just do a devotion and launch a ministry. A devotion's who you are. It it's a true. daily experience. Raj? Yeah. Fred borrowed language, and we hear this in No Greater Love all the time, uh, of from the trades. That is, you're an apprentice That's to good. someone else. And then you become, you hone your skill. You work hard at it. You pay your dues, and you become a, a, a craftsman. I'm sorry, an, a journeyman, journeyman, where you can do it, and you're working alongside others in, in a group environment usually. But then eventually you become a craftsman, and guess what? The apprentices and the journeymen are coming to ask you, how do you do this, mm-hmm. right? So you become the expert in the field, or you become the person they're coming to ask to be mentored by you later on. So I see that practice all the time. I watch it in the coaching world now, in, in the sporting world, watch these guys take really bad jobs as quality control coaches or uh, graduate assistants. And there's tons of hours and very little pay, but they're paying their dues as an apprentice to somebody else. And you watch their careers development. And some of the guys I know in the NFL now are guys that I met them back when they were go get coffee guy, (laughs) go get coffee. And okay. And he would do it because he knew that's what you had to do to to become a journeyman to become a guy who's going to get that real full-time job. And then later on he becomes the head coach in the NFL and you're going, man, you've done really well. He He had to pay his dues. Mm -hmm. Troy, both of my kids are in business. And when I was praying for them, when they were coming up, my prayer was never that God would give them success. It was always that God would only give them success when they were ready to maintain it. I right. see a lot of people that want to be a mighty oak tree, <laughs> but mighty oak trees have mighty root systems, and you got to grow the root system before you can support the weight of the tree, and trees with shallow root systems 
that are big topple over. And I see it happen in ministry so many times. People are more talented than they are rooted. And they end up toppling over. They're over the skis. That's exactly right. And when they do, they tear a lot of stuff up and they hurt a lot of people. So for me, a big piece of this is that rootedness. Dad has always talked about how our witness is a shadow of our relationship. And where I see a lot of impatience today is a lot of people want the tree. And they're not willing to do the hard work to grow the root system. You've seen that with athletes trying to come up through the leagues too quick. They'll, oh, they'll too come fast. in, they'll get drafted, and they don't go down and spend time in AAA, AAA. They get thrown in, and it destroys them. Or a quarterback that's drafted, he comes out, I want to play. They negotiate a play, and he just gets killed in his first two years, and then, you, then they're bagging groceries, you know. I, you've got to get yourself where you're balanced on your skis, and that's that study, prayer, fellowship, witness, personal mm-hmm. relationship. Um, and I like that developing a root system, coming in at the phases and, and stepping up at the different levels. I, when we talked about in the last session, I'm going to pull this into it we talked about basic training go back and listen to it It was very good and i was making a note because we left that out we talked about quiet time getting that built we talked about adoration confession thanksgiving supplication building your prayer life we talked about uh, prayer study fellowship and witness getting those core marks right we talked about when where and why knowing those things we talked about being faithful available teachable we talked about ajc i forgot about that uh that's being a journeyman, you know, an apprentice journeyman and craftsman. It's in my stuff. I have, it's a lot, one of the last things I teach. We have the, cl- then you use the methodology of clowning and one-on-one and street preaching and marching kind of to shake all those things out yeah, to see, out, to see know. if they're really real. So let me come back. We use clowning. I mean, use clowning. And I told you about that in the last episode. Clowning, like we talked about in the break, breaks you down. <laughs> you're a man, you're way, you're way. They say, put this on your face and you know you're not going to get a good bath for several days. So you're thinking, if I put that on, man, it's going to be greasy and nasty. You got to put that on, it hides you. But somewhere in the obedience of going out and doing what you're told, something comes out in you and you it find does. out you could do something you didn't know you could do and it lets you shine. And it, the faithful, available, teachable moment there lets you see the fruit of obedience. It lets you see you pay your dues. I, I, nothing's mistakable about that to me. I think that just something about clowning breaking you down. It what, does. What are some other parallels to that you guys have seen that breaks you down and, and gets you prepared? Well, for one thing, I think clowning costs you some male pride. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. It costs you. It hits you hard right there. You're going, oh no. Here's but my we, man card. Where's the makeup? <laughs> I'm gonna forfeit this now. And then, but it pays you it initially pays with good. some anonymity of just a, nobody will know me because I'm dressed like this. It'll mm-hmm. be okay. But then it pays you with a sense of freedom that you did not expect. That's right. Yeah. Right. You knew it's going to cost you some pride, but you didn't understand the freedom that it's going to afford you to be able to express yourself and suddenly some of us really came to life in that we go hey this makes it pretty easy bingo and well, you know and then it's not that big a stretch to think i can express myself with this white stuff on my face i could probably do it without it yeah mm-hmm. and so but it pays you in freedom in a way that you didn't see coming when i tried to teach the apostles creed in thailand and i, I finally got through it eventually about the third <laughs> time the third group when they helped me with it when i was trying to teach the creed to them i wish i had a clown makeup <laughs> I wish I could have put a clown suit on and hide because it was so difficult to teach somebody stuff that they never developed. They had never developed any history or pedigree from the church. It was all first time. And the no best thing was to go out and experience it. It was really tough. Hey, let me, let me, let me dig here on this. Uh, you, you said uh, success, uh, uh, success, a, a successful track 
is hard work, Shane. I hear that from you a lot. Hard work, just getting in there. Roger, you said the same thing. It's hard work. I mean, I think a lot of people think it's just going to pop. You know, it's going to be instant. We're in a microwave stage. I want to be called into ministry. I want to. I want to come off the bench and I want a ministry the size of Christ Church immediately. I, I want to be. I, I. I just want it now. I, I. I want my money. I think of the JG Wentworth commercial. I want my money and I want it and now. Want it now. And the guy's on you know, his mama's couch in the basement, can't even comb his hair. Uh, what is the problem with this? The success fast track versus hard work environment today i think the seduction is is actually a bit demonic because the devil is always enticing people and, and satan comes to steal and kill and destroy and you find a talented person a truly gifted person you want to destroy that person give them more success than they have That's the right. rootedness to handle mm-hmm. they will self-destruct and so for me, this whole instant gratification thing, this whole thing is I've got to have it all now, uh, really has demonic origins because it's for our harm, not for our good. Oh, yeah. The way you grow is the way an oak tree grows. Nobody plants oak trees real quickly expecting fast results. Go to a new subdivision. They're, they're planting other kind of trees that grow up quickly. Bradford they have pear. short lives. <laughs> Bradford pears would be a great example. By the time a Bradford pear starts to split and fall apart, that oak tree may still just be getting going. Yeah, this oak, hey, this old cottonwood took some time. But oh, you don't yes. grow great things quickly. No. You grow you grow them well. And the other thing I think about a lot is, is with pastors, because that's kind of my world, a lot of pastors stay places three years, and, and then they're out. So they, they always preach their greatest hits. The second things get tough, they, they have somebody beam them out. You know, Scotty, beam me out. And they always go to that next new place. But for me, uh, if you're building a house and you know you're going to live in it for the rest of your life and pass it to your children, I think you build that house slower mm-hmm. and better than if you're going to live in it for three years and sell it to somebody at a profit. Intentionality and time. It's not, a, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. I remember when I was a young pastor, Troy, ran into a, a pastor who was really well-known at the time. And, and he was at a conference. He was a keynote speaker. I think I was waiting in the restroom or something. He took an interest in me and, and just said, hey. And he said, where are you? And I told him, and he looked at me, and, and he said, you know what? Go build a great ministry. And he said, the only way to do it is excellence over time, and you can't cheat either. Hmm. And it's been great advice. Good. That's incredible. Excellence over time. Adam and Eve, that was a perfect example of something trying to steal something that they hadn't earned, got ahead, wanted it quick and in a moment, and just changed our lives. It good. And we had an example, yeah, and, and it, it was appealing. And the and the seduction, I love that seduction is demonic, and that's, that got us, and we've got to avoid that. We don't want to be Adam and Eve, and I think every one of us are faced with those decisions regularly. And as you get into ministry, they're, they're going to come at you, and they're going to be pretty and attractive, and you got to be careful with that. Well, let me I, tell you, Troy, let me tell you about a fallen world, right? Right. Fame destroys people, and everybody wants to be famous. Yeah, Isn't that so true? It, that's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, so so here's a question. You mentioned on the last one, are you willing to start by yourself? I mean, that is something else. When you catch a vision, you've got to ask yourself, is it such an important vision that I'm willing to go out and do it alone and, and just – I believe God's called me, even if it's me by myself, I'll be that lone prophet, that lone person. I remember when we talked about that, and that's a good value. I remember when I was in Pawnee, and we got I just wanted to do something different. The church needed an extension, and the, the Nelsons had this incredible uh, area above the 
above the drugstore. And, and I said, I just need another place to do ministry. And she says, it's yours. And it was an old war out. It was an old movie theater from turn of the turn of the century, like when movies first came out. And we went up there and it was rough. Plaster falling off the walls. It was a disaster. And I went and told the church, I said, we're going to start a loft ministry. We're going to start a whole other service. We ended up with three or four services going on. And that thing was incredible. We brought in concerts. But when I was up there first, everybody in the church thought I was stupid and crazy. And I have to tell you, by about day 12, I thought I was stupid and crazy. <laughs> and, but I just knew the Lord. I remember sitting up there, Beth and I, I'd be up there late at night. We were pulling the plaster off the walls. And it was big, huge, tall walls. And we had to use a grinder to grind the stuff off. And for days, I was... I, the Lord, I knew that was to be done. And I was up there by myself sometimes, 6, 7, 8, 12 o'clock at night, grinding on those walls. I remember one time sitting there, it was hot, sweaty, just in tears. I was almost angry at the Lord for making me be up there and do that. And But I just knew the Lord wanted me. And I was just sitting there and just just like, why do I have to do this? And, and he just said, just do it. And I kept doing it and did it for a few more days. And one day, uh, one of the young girls, what was the red-haired girl? She always had tutti-frutti hair. Melissa, Melissa, came, one of the youth came in and sat down with me and said, Pastor, can I help? Because I've been asking people to help. Nobody showed up. It was too hot. Finally, Melissa came and sat, and we developed such a good relationship. We'd sit there and grind together. And the next thing you know, I looked around a few days later, and there were all kinds of people up there grinding wow. on the wall. The vision caught, all, caught on. I had to be willing to go up there and do it myself and pay the price. And it's like the Lord wanted to break me. And I, I think my tears and the dust and that nasty stuff got in the yoke of it. Why? Why do you have to be willing to do it yourself, guys? Because Nehemiah did. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he says, look, uh, I have this thing. I'm going to do it. Yes. And uh, let's, let's go. And he wound up building a team that got it done in, what, 52 days, as I recall. And But the guy put in the back work to ask for favor, to, you know, he was faithful, or the king never would have sent him out with that stuff. But it's because we have models of the, the scriptures saying, here it is, this is it, get after it. Uh, why John the Baptist? I mean, that dude's out there all by himself, the first prophet in 400 years. Right. And uh, he's the weirdest cat on the block, and this is good. It's attractive to lead, but to lead means you have to have followers. But to do that, you have to prove that you have something worth following. That's and right. I, I think you just sometimes you just have to sit there and just pay your dues until people actually see you. Man, he, he's on something or she's on something. But, you know, we need to get around this. So I, there's something about that that just happens. Well, you have to be willing to be a catalyst. And usually the catalyst, uh, the pioneer, the, the first one out there, the person that's, that's pushing it, those people usually don't survive. <laughs> no, they, they really, really don't. One of my favorite movies is, is Dances with Wolves. And there's a great scene at the first of it. There's a stalemate going on in the, the Civil War. And John Donbar, the, uh, the lead character in it, basically decides he's had enough. And he just starts riding a horse up and down the lines and let people shoot at him. He's probably trying to commit suicide, yeah, but the general is. that's watching or the colonel that's watching, he said, there's a soldier that's worth something. Hmm. The reason was because he was willing to do something. He was willing to be a catalyst. He was willing to break the inertia. The inertia in a fallen world is always going to be to stop and thwart the work of hmm. God. That's good. For us to be catalysts, often, it involves us getting out there and doing it ourselves. Troy and I were actually uh, both pastors of a church in seminary. The church was called St. James. I had it before Troy uh, got it. But I remember I was about two years in, 
and nothing was going particularly well. And it occurred to me every single Sunday, there's no way I would attend this church were I not the pastor. (laughs) And I remember just being so utterly frustrated. I drove uptown on a weekend. I borrowed a sign from my dad, one of those great big street witnessing signs, said the Holy Bible, it's true or something. I just drove my Studebaker uptown and I just sat up there every weekend for a few weeks and I just put the sign up at, 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 on Saturday night. I just held the sign and people would stop by and they said, what are you doing? I say, I'm just holding this sign. Well, why? Well, because I've got a, a terrible church. Nothing's happening, but I'm not going to sit in that stinking parsonage right. and do nothing. Amen. I refuse to live that kind of life. So I'm going to get this sign and I'm going to sit up here uptown and maybe something will happen, but I know nothing will happen if I'm not a catalyst. At some point, we got to have the courage to do something. And it either works out or it doesn't, yeah. but I can't live with staying in the house and Amen. not succeeding. You can't God. sit on the dock forever. No, you you gotta get, let, let me ask this last question, and then we'll wrap up here. I, this is a tough one. I'm, we've all lead people, lead ministry, lead staff. People fail. People have character faults. They break. They they break down. It is very tough to recover people these days. I, I've had a couple people in my time that I've recovered. Almost none of them have recovered. But I've I've had a couple success stories even since coming to community that complete turnarounds. And part of that is my secret's Christina Umana. She's an incredible Christian counselor. She's able to help people deal with things. I've never seen a better counselor than uh, Restoration good. Counseling mm-hmm. and Christina Umana. She's done. I've got great counselors in my whole ministry. But she has actually restored marriages. I mean. Beautiful. Marriages that I, when I told them, say, oh, you're done. Let's work this out. But I need you to see Christina. And I come back in and Christina's re-blossomed the marriage over time. And I've seen people back into ministry that I took out of ministry as a result of her work. Mm-hmm. And we, I'm a believer in that. Not every time, but it's tough. But there's a lot of people out here that's made mistakes. They've mi- missed a direction. They got over their skis. It's not easy to get back. But guys, give me a couple things you would suggest for somebody to get themselves back on the rock back maybe in the game maybe it's at a different level maybe they got to they got to rebuild some things how what are one or two or three steps that we would give people to get back they, they may think they're done but they're not really done god's into redemption so let's t- tell me how you do it raj well first thing is um first thing that comes to mind is you have to uh, humble yourself enough to submit yourself to somebody to trust yeah, you, you need a you need an accountability partner and somebody to coach you to it. Yeah, I, I just have to look have to be able to look somebody in the eye and That's say, good. "I trust you." Um, I, brokenness, all that I am, I still trust you, and I, I've got to figure out how to make steps forward. You need somebody to help you with that course that you trust, and you'll learn yourself to. Shane, yeah. I think a lot of times we take a business lens and we apply it to Christianity. So we look at whether people are success or failures. Hmm. God looks at the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I have seen some people through their failures develop a dependence and a relationship with God they would have never had in their success. And so for me, at the end of the day, what makes us or breaks us is that total dependence upon God. A lot of times it's not our strength that gets us there. It's our weakness that gets us there. And I would rather live every day knowing that I am doomed except for the grace and love of God than to live with some kind of baptized idea of a Freudian superego. That's good. And that closeness, that thorn in Paul's flesh that he Mm -hmm. talks about over and over. Isn't it interesting? Paul 
was used by God to heal people. He even raised somebody from the dead who got bored during one of his sermons. <laughs> but, but Paul never had his own thorn healed. Sometimes it is that thorn in the flesh that keeps people humble and keeps them in relationship with God. So I would just really encourage people to, to kind of get off of the success-failure kind of viewing and really look at what is growing that relationship with God. Humility came out of both you and Roger very strong. Fred, how about you? Any last words on this? Okay. Um, I never give up on people because God didn't give up on me. That's for sure. Now, at some of the people that I've not given up on are actually some of the leaders of our ministry today. Yeah. Now, but I go with, with the book, Song of Solomon. That's the love book of the Bible, and that's what God does, love us. And started out in love with God. Then chapter 3, she refuses to follow, wants to stay inside, and so she loses it. Then everybody puts her down. But chapter 5 comes back and says, what is your beloved so much better than anybody else? Why even serve God? And she goes back to the very beginning, just what she was in the beginning. And so I just tell them, just come back as a, as a starting level person again and just share Jesus Christ, and you'll grow back from there. That's incredible. I believe it. Guys, I, I, just as a closing point of privilege, I want to thank each of you. Fred, as a spiritual father, Shane and Roger, as brothers to me, I, I just want to thank you, me, my family, Beth, um, you know, I, I've just I've ministered for the last 32 years in in the wake of what you have instilled in me. For 32 years, I've plowed and pushed and and been driven largely by you know the basics here that we've talked about. And my lit my life has been so richly blessed. I mean, so richly blessed. And I hope I've honored the NGL credo. I really do. Uh, putting the gospel in the hands of faithful men. I hope we still do that and we continue to do that. And I've planted churches here and in Honduras and in Liberia. Now 26 pastors are running the gospel around Thailand. Um, and, 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 and let me close with a note I wrote on a Facebook. I want to close with a picture first and a note. I'll explain to you the picture first that I wrote on a Facebook. I wrote this on, um, I was in January 12, 2019. That hat was sitting on a table. Beth and I were finishing up three trips to train these pastors. It took three trips, an introductory, a session one, and a session two. This is three trips over two years. And my wife and I are sitting at this table and we're wrapping up the class and they're doing their final exam where they're coming up and sharing what they've learned and writing. And I, I, I looked down and I saw my hat uh, lying there and it all came into focus for me. And I want to, I want to, I, I put out these pictures right here. And the hat was sitting on that table where Beth and I were hmm. looking at their stuff. And that's the 26 pastors that graduated our pastor school. And Beth and I are with them. And, and I wrote these words. I put these up on Facebook. These exact pictures went up on Facebook when I was there. And here's what I said. It's been one of my great honors and privileges to be a part of the birth and development of our community faith church, Thailand pastors and church family. Our church is so rich as a result of this global family. I could not do this without the love of my life, Mother Beth Ann Benetton by my side. I would not have ever been ready to do such a thing without Shane Bishop having taken the time to lead me into the things of Christ and without his father, Fred Bishop, of No Greater Love mentoring and fathering me in the things of God. No Greater Love is the training ministry that equipped me, and now this work represents some of the many grandchildren of that legacy. I wore my NGL hat with pride, knowing a bunch of great men have spoken so much into me to enjoy such a day. Thanks for all of your help, guys. Thanks for all of your help and prayers. Um, gosh, soon we'll have great-grandchildren. 
as these, and there, there's people I don't know now up in the regions that are they're reaching, I don't even know, as these new local pastors are passionate, equipped, and ready to get to the work of putting the gospel in the hands of this new region and generation here in Thailand and beyond. God is good. I wrote that in January 12, 2019. I didn't know it would be so prophetic that it's already happening. Yeah. But I want to thank you guys for what you put in me. Roger, thank you. Shane, uh, Fred, I really appreciate it. And just for you guys to give up the day to be down here. And uh, we're looking forward to others. We'll be doing a whole set of podcasts with Roger and the work he's done through FCA for 27 years and now looking into the Coaches and Nations. I can't wait to have your friends in the studio here soon. Shane's going to be back with us to really talk dollar as a pastor to talk about what's going on in the church and beyond. I think we've got great things that we can learn about that. And we got so many more shows coming, but I want to thank you guys so much. Thanks for your time here and being here. I hope it was a good experience. I want to show you this picture here. I got to take this picture just a few years ago. Uh, this was a dream for me. I had myself and, and Margie, Margie runs our churches in the, uh, in the prostitution zone, uh, Beth there, Fred, Shane, and Reverend Pay Cooper Mundelow. This was a one moment when I actually had all my leaders from all the platforms present. Yeah. And I called Shane and uh, Shane and Fred, and, and just in a drop, they dropped everything, and we came and had lunch to, to have those people in one place. That's one of those top ten for me. That fits with Mount Nebo. Yeah. So I have that as a treasure. That so, is an absolute yeah. Isn't treasure. that a great picture? I love that picture. Yeah, I love that picture, too. I look good there, too. <laughs> but God is good. So thank you so much, guys, for being a part of this. And uh, again, thank you. You can check out Fred's ministry, No Greater Love, at nogreaterlove.org and connect with that ministry. They're, do, they're still putting the gospel in the hands of faithful men. Find out how his network right now has got opportunities and ministries that are branching out. He's got children out there doing all kinds of great things. Check that out. And you can find out more about On The Dock at onthedock.org. You can email us at info at onthedock.org. Dot org and check us out at YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and watch us at Google Podcasts. I actually listen there. Facebook, Roku, Rumble, and Sermonet are our platforms, and you can always get with us socially at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Telegram. We love Telegram, Telegram, and please, when you hit those platforms, go subscribe, like, notify, share with other people how you're connecting with us, and make comments and reach out to us. And finally, go check us out at Patreon. Patreon's our support site. If you want to be a partner or supporter of uh, On the Dock, we would love it. And finally, last but not least, hey, if you don't have a church home, come check us out at Community Faith Church. If you're in Southern Illinois, we'd love to have you 10 o'clock on Sundays, 6.30 on Wednesdays. We have a virtual campus at coftv.com. Come find us. We'd love to have you. If you're up in the Christ Church region up at Fairview Heights, they would love to have you at one of their four campuses. They meet at all these different times at Fairview Heights, at Collinsville, Maryville, Scott Campus, and Milstadt. They'd love to have you up there. Check it out at mychristchurch.com. Make sure you're getting in a good church preaching the gospel, and we look forward to doing much more with you. Check out podcast coming up soon on the dock. We do them on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We love you. We want to talk to you again soon. But in the meantime, we're going to go have lunch and you keep listening to us on the dock. Pastor